0: In this episode, we analyze the midterm elections, why the winner in the state of Arizona is so critical to election security and national security, and why the identity of the next Republican Speaker of the House is perhaps not a foregone conclusion. We then examine a promising new bill in the Tennessee legislature to finally address child mutilation. Gary's opinion may surprise you. My name is Kevin Cookagee and with my friend Gary Humble, This is the Freedom Matters Podcast.
1: Kevin, no Christmas music to uh, kick off the episode today?
0: Not yet, because you kind of scared me out of doing it too soon (laughs) the other week. Um, That will be coming after Thanksgiving. However, we're going to have a refrain in a little bit, and I've queued up some music, but I wanted to start this episode by referring I always like when we can refer to something from a prior episode especially when it's listener supported or listener encouraged I received a text a a text yesterday from a listener who had heard our discussion on a prior episode about the clot shot and I'm not sure which episode but it was the one where I made an off the cuff reference to how a prior flu shot had been pulled from the market upon evidence of a relatively small number of people Mm -hmm. who had died from it. So this enterprising listener did a little research to correct my memory, and so I thought it would be a good icebreaker to begin our program today, since I know you love quizzes.
1: Yes, (laughs) let's go.
0: So, Gary, here it is. In 2009, pharmaceutical giant GlaxoSmithKline recalled a batch of its swine flu vaccine, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, was an actual vaccine. It was not an experimental gene therapy. This was in Canada. Uh, The reason they pulled it is because it appeared to cause higher rates of adverse events than other batches. Interestingly, by the way, this recall didn't even require deaths to pull the plug, and this is the part I got wrong. So, the company recalled its products solely on the basis of serious adverse events short of death, including anaphylaxis and febrile convulsions. So, here's the question. Keeping in mind that according to Vares, the number of deaths reported, and which we know is likely much underreported by COVID shot, now exceed Mm 31,000. Gary, do you know how many people experienced serious adverse events Sufficient to cause GlaxoSmithKline to recall a batch of its swine flu vaccine. I actually
1: have seen this number, and I believe it is somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty-five or less. See, I thought it
0: was twenty-five as well, which was, I think, the number that I referred to. It's thirty-six. Oh, okay, wow. But still, but still, that's thirty-six. It's a lot adverse... less than
1: thirty-one thousand
0: deaths. <laughs> yeah, thirty-six adverse events, and they pulled the plug. And so this is where we get into the music. I think this needs a little bit of a rehash or a refrain of Pfizer's theme song. Show me the money!
1: <laughs> show you the money. Nice. You this it is going to be uh,
0: our so hey, so Pfizer theme song, right? Yeah, yeah, no, so much no, no, no. no, no. truth.
1: Show you the money. Show them show the, money. the money.
0: It's all that matters. It's all it takes. Flash the cash. <laughs> exactly. Show me the money. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Producer, for being on it.
1: That was good, boy. We we need to keep that handy. There's a lot of ways you can use that clip. Yep.
0: Yep. Keep keep that handy. I, I do think there'll be lots of references. <laughs> so, um, Gary, I think we've got some new legislation pending that we do in but, Tennessee that we might want to talk about. Do you want to? Well, we go do. Into that now. Or? Well,
1: before before that, just you uh you you got your vote in, I'm sure. Oh uh, yes, of yeah. course. Elections. Tuesday. What am I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And are 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 you confident that you got your vote in, no. is another question. I,
0: I'm confident that I got my vote, the picture that showed me the people that I voted for and the, and the initiatives I voted for and did not vote for, right. got into the box, and the box said, and the lady was so happy to tell me, see, there were 15 there, and now there's 16. And I said, yeah, but that only tells me that you've counted that piece of paper. It doesn't tell me that what you've right. counted is what I've actually voted for. I will say this. Um,
1: I was— pleasantly surprised at my polling location here in Williamson county that the poll worker did encourage me and show me to make sure that when the ballot printed out that I actually read it and checked what had printed on the ballot to make sure that it corresponded to what I had pressed on the machine I thought I had never heard them say that before and that I was at least thankful that the poll workers are now. Started to think more
0: about that. They're definitely aware that we're on to them.
1: Yeah. So that was good. I think the most, there are two just statistics I would just point out on the show that I thought were interesting. And of course, I won't dive deep into it because folks can go to TennesseeStands.org, put out a pretty long video about our election results yesterday. But one thing I saw nationally, um, they were doing some exit, and of course, you know, you got to trust this with a grain of salt. But that one of the reasons we didn't get the quote-unquote red wave that we were expecting, not that I was really expecting a red wave, to be honest.
0: Let's let's be clear. Every time someone asked me, I said, I think you're being overconfident.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And one of the uh, stats that came out from some exit polling, it showed how— different age bands were likely to vote. And, like, you know, you would expect 65 plus is, like, R plus 13. You know, your middle-aged folks or you know, R plus 1, plus 2, so so on and so forth. But Gen Z. Which and is I, what age group? I believe ages 18 to 29 a, as a voter. Okay. Is what the age band showed. Gen Z. Voting at D plus 28. Hmm. I'm talking, like, hardcore... Democrat voters. Yeah,
0: which shows you our future, that, right? That's that's a really dangerous trend for our future. Exactly. I think
1: we need to really be paying attention to this Gen Z generation that is now coming of age. It is suspected that in these midterm elections, they had a significant impact. As a voter block in keeping, I mean, essentially, I think from from one standpoint, in keeping us from taking the Senate mm-hmm. this go-round. Now, again, you know, we can get into machines and all the things. There's, there's so much at play here. But the bottom line is we've got a generation of voters now that are coming online in force.
0: <laughs> yeah, who have been indoctrinated yeah. in not only colleges, but high schools and elementary schools with woke ideology.
1: Yeah, I think we should be... It just – it cautions me and informs me to be quite less belligerent or believing the mantra of the the red wave and we'll get them next election. Now I'm thinking, will we really? Um, It it exacerbates my desire in conversation with people that the only path forward to securing liberty is states. Because with this new voting block coming, we – will not be able to control what's happening at the federal level.
0: Yeah, so states acting as a bulwark, right, against what is happening at the national level and an understanding, because the left, this is how the left has gotten Gen Z to this point, because the left has always been focused on hearts and minds and ideas. And our side has unfortunately spent too much time with the the framework of taxes, money, Republicans and and that framework, rather than going to the heart and mind, in fact, we've stayed away from, not we, you and me, the Republicans have for decades now stayed away from the moral issues while the left has proceeded forward on moral issues. Now, they're immoral to us as far as their definition, but the category is that the left is focused on ideas, and this is why they are so inspired and have inspired a generation. And that, again, that's That bodes not well for us um, unless our focus is changing hearts and minds. Yeah, which it needs to be. And um,
1: let me see how this one hits you. Here's the last thing I want to bring out about elections. So I was looking at voter turnout, and um, so many people thought – I can't tell you how many comments we got on social media about me saying this because they're like, yeah, but I was in line for two hours. There's more people than I've ever seen come out to vote. You know, the poll worker said it was so busy. Well – were those long lines because of voter turnout or were they because of the machines and the fact that we've taken away all of our precincts right. and forcing people like cattle into voting centers? Mm-hmm. So contrary to what it it looked like to the voter because they were standing in this incredibly long line, the fact is voter turnout was way down. Listen to this. In 2020, now setting the, the expectation, this was – Presidential election, number one. Number two, it was between Biden and Trump. So, I mean, heavily contested. Right, right. People were anxious. COVID, all the things. Yeah,
0: and midterms are always less than presidential yeah. years.
1: But in the last presidential election, voter turnout in
0: Tennessee was 69.3%. So, 69.3% of the registered, of registered voters, voters actually voted. Yes. So How we, many non-registered voters voted?
1: <laughs> I don't want <laughs> to have that statistic, unfortunately. Next week. So that, that would be an interesting one to gather. <laughs> But 2022, this is estimated so far. And well, I can say this is what voted, this is who voted for the governor, and you can expect a little bit more. Turnout 2022
0: 37.8%. 37.8% 30, of registered voters? Of
1: registered voters.
0: Voted for governor or Correct. voted overall or just pulled.
1: Well, I, I think there'll be a few more that voted overall, and I expect that to still be shy of 40%.
0: So how did that, do you have any data on how that compared to 2018?
1: Yes. Uh, in 2018,
0: 53.9% of registered voters voted for governor. And again, this year, 37.8. Point Point eight. So let me... Is that only, a, have you looked beyond Tennessee or is that a specific Tennessee trend? This because, is
1: just Tennessee, but I i would imagine, my my understanding is that voter turnout is down across the state. Across
0: and, the country. And we do know, in particular, in Tennessee, that there's dissatisfaction with the governor and there's dissatisfaction with the Republican establishment as there is across the country, right? Yep. The real voter is very upset with what the Republican establishment has done. Yeah. I think, I think, yes, I think
1: you nailed it on that. It, that's definitely one factor is, is there's not a lot in terms of what's going on with the Republican Party right now to get extremely excited about and come out and vote. That's certainly one factor. Mm -hmm. The Another factor, I think, is that people, again, we get a lot of comments, I don't vote. I don't vote anymore because I don't trust the elections. So I think due to election integrity concerns, people are just staying home. But I think, lastly, I think that's a huge combination. But in terms of the difference between 2020 and 2022, I mean, that's – when you go from 69.3% to 37.8% in one election cycle, Mm -hmm. that's a massive swing. One of the things that communicates to me is we need a paradigm shift. We should be just as or more eager to vote in state and local elections than we are to come vote for the president, Mm -hmm. Right. Because, again, like I said earlier, the win moving forward is not going to be who sits in the White House. It's going to be how many more conservatives can we get in our state legislature? How many more conservatives can we get on our school boards and our county? We gotta. We need to change voters' minds that it's, it's actually this election where they should have turned out right to vote.
0: And most people, especially when they're new to the political scene or the political framework, they start where? They start on television, right? Well, television is always talking about national issues. And that's why a lot of people, when they're new to politics, only know their issues in reference to national. They don't even know the state exists in many respects and certainly don't know the county or the city issues. Let me give one, uh, not a counterpoint, but an, an encouraging note with regard to the Senate that I heard on Mark Levin as I was driving home last night, which will be a week ago by the time this airs. But do you know that the Senate, right? Obviously the Senate, they have six-year terms, and every two years they replace one-third of the Senate, except every third election cycle they replace 34. So it's 33, then two years later, 33 more up for election, and this cycle it was 34 to get to the 100 senators. Okay. In this election... The Republicans were defending 20 seats and the and the Democrats were defending 14, right, which means – which is a lot harder task than it will be in two years from now. In two years from now, the Democrats will actually have to defend 20, 23 seats and the Republicans will only have to defend 10. And for, as far as allocation of resources and wow. where that goes, it it's why I love Mark Levin so much because he thinks so deeply yeah, and, that is and deep. analyzes it and it's like, oh – OK, for all the issues we've had, that's kind of encouraging that, it, that in two years it's going to be a lot harder for the Democrats to hold the Senate just based on um, those demographics.
1: Yeah, because you're pouring millions in, of dollars into half the seats, uh, right. less than half. than to they Try had. to protect yeah. them. OK. Yeah.
0: So that's, that's a little bit of encouragement. Right.
1: <laughs> Thank you for that light, Kevin. There's light at
0: the end of the tunnel. And let me add a, a – a <laughs> a related or an election-related um, comment. Well, two, let's talk about Kerry Lake, yep. because hopefully by the time this airs, that will finally have been Kerry Lake will have won. It, it seems to be trending that yeah. way. She, I mean, because clearly the votes... Well, let's say it this way. If the left knew that they had the votes, they would have said... They would have called the race a long time ago. The only reason they're dragging <laughs> it out is because they know they don't have the votes and they're trying to find ways to extend it. Well, why is that important nationally? You know, Arizona, for two reasons. One, election fraud, right? Election fraud being tackled by serious political candidates is going to happen in Arizona should Carrie Lake, and we think that she, she will, become the next governor. I haven't watched the trends. Is, is the trend line the same for Fincham?
1: Yeah, I was literally going to just ask. I think he was – they were much further apart. The Last time I saw it was like 53 to 47 percent or something but,
0: like that. There were still f-
1: but that was only four like, or
0: 500,000 votes. Yeah, to count,
1: that was right? only 66% reporting in his race. Right. So I'm not sure where it's trending currently.
0: That would obviously be. If the- he
1: wins Secretary of State, their elections are going to shift significantly. Right. There are going to be some security measures, the likes of which we have never yeah. seen.
0: And would become the model for
1: the rest of the country.
0: Yes. I still think it will happen, but it'll be harder to happen, Carrie Lake, on her own with a Secretary of State that doesn't agree with her and doesn't share her worldview. But, I want them
1: all to win, but in my opinion, there's someone we really, really needed to win from a, in terms of national impact. It's Mark Fincham. Yeah.
0: Well, the other reason that Arizona is important is because Carrie Lake committed in her campaign to actually defending the border. So from an immigration and a national security issue, um, it's really important. I just want to read a squib from um, the Center for Renewing America, which has been really the think tank behind this movement to finally encourage states to take action at the border. And it's a new legal theory. And at this point, no one has been able to undermine it. So the the attorney general of Arizona actually uh, wrote a great opinion about why this is legal. But border states have the ability and indeed the responsibility to invoke their constitutional authority explicitly stated in Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution to declare an invasion. And once you declare an invasion, that is their exception to be able to secure the border on their own outside of the purview of the federal government. In fact, it's because the federal government has not upheld its own, I believe it's Section 4, same Article 1, Section 4, um, yeah, that gives the state the right to do that. Well, Arizona was the first state to say, and Kerry Lake was the first candidate to say, if I'm elected, we are going to do that. And that will put pressure on Greg Abbott in Texas to follow along in that regard. So Arizona is a really important state. On the contrary, if we don't get it right in Arizona. Terms of of securing the border. Yeah, that's huge. All right. One more thing on election, then we'll go to Tennessee legislation. With the changing of the guard at the House from Democrat to Republicans, Obviously, we're looking at a potential Kevin McCarthy um, Speaker of the House, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Most likely. Well, let me give you a little bit of encouragement. Not false hope, but just thought. Uh, Russ Vote, also from—he's the founder of Center yeah. for I, I saw his America. tweet yesterday. Yeah, well, that's what I was just going to read, yeah. okay? Yeah, it's, it's a six-part tweet, but just one page. So Russ says, Kevin McCarthy is in serious trouble as a candidate for Speaker. Let me explain. Number one, it starts with the fundamentals. The vote for Speaker is not behind closed doors. It is on the floor of the House of Representatives. Therefore, there's no lying back home about how one voted. Hmm. And all the Democrats vote against the GOP nominee anyway. Number two, House conservatives will not need a majority to prevail. They merely need to block and veto until they get an acceptable candidate. Exactly how many depends on the final slim majority but it will not be a lot. Number three, conservatives will have a difficult, and Russ says I would say impossible, time explaining a vote for McCarthy back home for many reasons, but mainly for being a peacetime leader when we are in a cold civil war, who will manage the GOP away from the conflict, meaning McCarthy, instead of seizing it by the throat and and taking over. In other words, the fundamentals present a cartel-busting vote, and all you need is a few members to go public. As Russ points out, we already have that in Matt Getz, and Bob Good, and, of course, Chip Roy, our friend from Texas. That number will grow as members come off the trail. The trend lines are already in our direction. So it's not going to be easy, and I, I do appreciate – you know, Russ has a ton of experience – in the House in particular, that's where all of his political background comes. So he knows all of the machinations and all the technical aspects of how to get it done. He's he's principled in ideas, and then he knows technically how to move in these things. So, Well, certainly, that whole line of
1: thinking has my support, and, yeah. and we, we hope to see it play out that way. My only concern is—so he, he had another tweet yesterday that I commented on. Um, he said, you know, thankfully— we have because we'll need them is the only way to get what he just described done he said you know let's put some uh pressure on the freedom caucus thankfully we have the freedom caucus to push forward a more conservative um speaker of the house the the challenge there is jim jordan my understanding is from talking to folks is jim jordan who leads the freedom
0: caucus currently mm-hmm. is supporting mccarthy yeah and that's that I've never understood outside of just plain political doesn't want to rock the boat, Jim Jordan is a rock star as mm-hmm. far as conservative values and the issues for which he's fought. but yes, whenever he's been pressed to run for Speaker of the House, he's always took a nope, not my turn mm-hmm. and um which is disappointing,
1: yeah, so well we my only point there is if we are going to succeed. In getting a a more conservative speaker or or more of a a fighter, a a wartime speaker, as you uh, say, um, we'll need the full weight of the Freedom Caucus. And it doesn't seem like we have that yet. So we need to be putting pressure Mm -hmm. on our congressmen across the country. And I love what you said about or what he said about it being out in the open on the floor. I actually didn't realize that. That's how it was done. Yep. Yes, there's no uh, no arm twisting behind the door. That's great. Uh well I'm really glad we do it that way. That's that was smart of our founders. Um, Gosh,
0: you think? It's <laughs> amazing the older we get the smarter our founders get.
1: Well, I I'll tell you just to talk about a little bit of Tennessee legislation and I may be about ready to shock you and and certainly shock everyone that listens to the Freedom Matters podcast. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> I am incredibly optimistic about this bill that I finished reading today. This bill. All right,
0: Gary, got to explain to our audience what this bill
1: is. So yesterday, which would have been, uh, as of this recording, November 9th, we submitted, uh, well, not we, Tennesseans, the legislature, uh, House Bill 1 and Senate Bill 1 was submitted. And uh, this is the bill carried by William Lamberth and Jack Johnson under the direction of the governor's office in in concert with Matt Walsh and the expose right. on child mm-hmm. mutilation mm-hmm. Vanderbilt. So, yeah. yeah. So so this is the bill coming out of that big exposure in uh, in an effort to deal with uh, child mutilation and um, for minors. So essentially these gender affirming you know transition surgeries where we are anatomically changing our bodies that will now be illegal in the state of Tennessee concerning minors mm-hmm. okay done and of course my pushback was yeah well they've been killing the bill for 2 years which they have right and also oftentimes we see bills that purport to do something that simply has no teeth or no mechanism right. to actually do it Well, this 11-page bill, I I actually got to tell you, I mean, there's going to be some things that I think will get amended and and will need to be done. But by and large, I would be incredibly proud to have been part of this bill. They did a phenomenal job. I think we should be applauding Mm -hmm. our legislature Mm -hmm. on this effort. I think that we should be sending emails to get ready Okay. To Representative I'm, Lamberth and Senator Johnson. Wow, thanking them for this legislation and encouraging them to stand firm and strong. And I and I want to pull out a couple of points from here, and then I just want to
0: say this: Can I? Can I interrupt? Yeah. Interject one thing. Yeah. Let it be known, and our audience must know this: the rule of the room here is the truth, right? So if the truth is being advocated, we're always going to support it. And that's something that gets missed because I think there's a lot of accusations that are thrown about, um, especially because Gary was a political candidate who almost beat a sitting 16 year state senator with a lot of power. There were there were accusations that Gary wasn't a team player, whatever that means. Some usually that's a bad <laughs> usually that's a it's, it, usually it's a badge of honor not to be a team player in that context. But what I mean by that is the accusations, are, and I think unfairly, come at Gary suggesting that he will kill bills that do mostly good things because he has a problem with something in the middle of it. But that's I, – I think it's important that our audience here, you just supported, gave your vocal support. We know that nothing's perfect in legislation. Mm-hmm. We're not saying that these things are perfect. But let it be known that Tennessee Stands is encouraging the passage of this. No matter what it took to get here, and no matter the mixed motivations, it's a good bill, you're saying.
1: Yep, yep, absolutely. You know, I'll start off, they they make a bunch of findings, and I won't read all of this, it would take too much time, but I just want to start off with this statement. There's two pages of findings, but this statement makes it pretty clear. The legislature determines that medical procedures that alter a minor's hormonal balance, remove a minor's sex organs, or otherwise... Change a minor's physical appearance are harmful to a minor when these medical procedures are performed for the purpose of enabling a minor to identify with or live as a purported identity inconsistent with the minor's sex or treating purported discomfort or distress from a discordance with the minor's sex as in their asserted identity." And that's not the law. It's just the findings. But the point is we're starting from the place that we're simply saying all of this is bad. We we agree with none of it. And the legislative intent of our bill is to stop all of it. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: By the way, it takes me back to law school. When you start reading legislative intent and they give that. Yeah. I remember having to do a research paper for getting out of law school and my professor just kept driving me, nope, go back deeper and deeper. And it finally got to the point where I had to guess what the legislature's intent was. Okay, he, he said, okay, now you've read everything they've said. Now I want you to look at all their actions and the people they've talked with and really get to what's really behind, like the metaphysic behind the metaphysic. Right. Yep, that's good. <sighs> Give me nightmares.
1: <laughs> Thankfully, I didn't have to go through that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to codify in here the the definition of sex. Sex means... A person's immutable they don't mm-hmm. they don't change. Yep. Immutable characteristics of the reproductive system that define the individual as male or female, as determined by anatomy and genetics existing at the time of birth.
0: That's so, great. That takes courage. Yeah. I'm glad, right? Yeah. Male and female. Two sexes. How about that? Only two. I'm gonna have a final
1: thought on this thing, but I, but I want to Talk about a couple of the things that I thought were very forward-looking and how they address this. For one, they gave a minor the right to sue the healthcare provider if uh, you know if these procedures were were done or, or sought to be done.
0: The minor, while still a minor, or the minor once that minor reaches while, is, is emancipated, while still a minor, which so, means they'd have to sue through their. Parents or guardians? Yeah, well,
1: actually, they're giving the, the right of the ca- a cause of action to a minor and the minor's parent. It would have to be through the minor's parent because the minor— Well, yes. Taking wait. a cause well, of action. Well, wait a minute because it gets more interesting. Okay. So, first, the minor has a right to see the health care provider, and um, it says it's not a legal defense. You know, if the parent—what I love about this is if the parent consented to the procedure, it's not a legal defense
0: it's not a legal defense for the healthcare provider, provider. that's or, right
1: the the parent uh, we don't care They can't if the parent say parent I've got it okay I've got it you can't do it all right period we're gonna protect the minor in this situation okay you were, but here's the part I want to point out because I thought this was great and I want to make sure people get this you remember when during all the covid nonsense and we we fought over the, the mature minor doctrine mm-hmm We had a doctor in the Tennessee Department of Health who sent memos all across the state notifying providers that it was appropriate for them to give a 14-year-old the shot without parental Mm -hmm. consent. And that was called the mature minor doctrine because that 14-year-old was competent enough to choose whether or not they wanted a vaccine. And we fought very heavily over that. Mm-hmm. Well, what they've done here is they've put this statement in here. This section supersedes any common law rule regarding a minor's ability to consent to a medical procedure that is performed or administered for this purpose. So, so they're specifically hearkening back to that to that mature minor, minor rule. That's right. Or is it a rule or a theory? It's a doctrine, mature minor doctrine. So they're they're even putting in here just for in case this ends up in court. And a court may try to draw upon some common law doctrine or some precedent, some interpretation of law that purports to give a minor the ability to consent to these types of procedures. Mm -hmm. They don't have Mm -hmm. it. We are completely removing and abrogating that right from the minor. So I'm like, you know, when I saw that in here, I'm I'm thinking to myself, they are thinking through this, Mm. you know. So kudos. That's good. But here's. Here's an interesting part. Maybe you might have something to say on this. You said the minor cannot sue but through the parents. Check.
0: Yes, because a minor by law is legally incapacitated.
1: Well, check this Check this out. So private right of action is given to a minor injured as a result of a violation who may bring a civil cause of action, number one, against the health care provider and against the minor's parent. If the parent of the minor consented to the conduct that constituted the violation on behalf of the minor. So, first of all, they're saying if if you're a minor and your parent is trying to get you right. a surgery and
0: consenting without your consent, mm-hmm. you can sue your parent. <clears throat> but, again, my question is, does the legislature, does the legislation proposed make a distinction between that minor suing the parents while still a minor Or does the minor because in other areas of law, historically, the minor cannot take that action until the day of emancipation in eighteen. Does
1: it 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 does not. So what
0: what I'm what I'm curious to know is if that ever comes up for litigation, whether that would be the holding it seems to me that it might go that way, where a judge would say, Well, I agree, but the legislation couldn't possibly have meant to change all of our emancipation laws. That's interesting, Kevin. Because I deal with it in the entertainment business all the time. You have young artists, many young artists who sign contracts. Well, they can't sign a contract when they're minors without A, parental consent, or B, the you get a court to step in and go through a process – of effectively emancipating that minor while they're still young, but it's still a legal proceeding.
1: It it does not deal with any of that, I can tell you conclusively. It simply says the minor has a cause of action in this particular case. And even when the the lawsuit is brought against the parent, it says this, this subdivision supersedes any common law immunity granted Mm -hmm. to a parent. So it's even removing the, the parent's immunity as being a parent. From being subject to so I hope a that doesn't, cause of action.
0: Okay, well, hopefully that doesn't become a slippery slope in other areas. I agree.
1: I thought about that same thing, and I think it's worth the conversation. Like, because yeah. we're really, we're really jacking with parental rights here. But at the same time, we're dealing with, you know, the state. It's like child abuse, right? I mean, the state does Absolutely. have an obligation mm-hmm. to defend the rights of children when their parents are abusing them. And I think as long as in this instance, due process is involved, Mm -hmm. that that's appropriate.
0: Yeah. And provided it is what we would consider child abuse, which this clearly is. Yeah. But we know how people will say, well, Gary, you're not making your children take the mRNA experimental gene therapy. Therefore, you are abusing potentially your children, right? So that's Those are the types of things that always, that's why I said at the beginning of your presentation, that legislation, there's no perfect legislation. And sometimes we get so, legislators get so involved in being specific and thorough that they open up doors to other areas that they didn't intend.
1: That is a concern. Watch out for the parental rights portion of it. But by gosh, if if you are a parent and you are submitting your minor child to these types of surgeries, you're... I believe you're committing child abuse and mm. you should be held accountable.
0: So that's SB1, you said?
1: SB1, HB1.
0: Which means it's the first bill that's been drafted Filed. and proposed yep. for this year, this yep. coming session Emer- in January.
1: Yep. Let's see. The attorney general can take action against the health care provider and can, and I quote, disgorge
0: any profits
1: received due to the medical procedure.
0: And, since we know, let's bring back that Pfizer theme song. That is what it's about, right? Show me the money! <laughs> Show you the money. That's right. We're going to ta- take it. Yeah, so Vanderbilt... Show us the money. <laughs> exactly. The state is going to disgorge. I love that language. Again, takes me back to law school. <laughs> um, when you bring a
1: private right of action, you can recoup non-economic damages... Including psychological and emotional anguish, which this opens now this up to multi million dollar lawsuits, mm-hmm. because it's not just you know monetary things you can prove. I want ten million dollars because you've caused me all of this despair, right? Right. So that's 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 a pretty huge deterrent. Are there I any? Think. Are there any criminal sanctions? Okay, I'm glad you brought that up. So there are some other things in terms of licensing. The state can uh, the health board can penalize uh, if if this law has been violated, can pull the licensing from a facility and a provider. So I thought that's pretty big. But that that is the one question that I had that I do have on this piece of legislation is there are no criminal penalties. And I'm wondering, what's the reason that there are no criminal penalties? Mm -hmm. Is is there some is it? something concerning the licensing laws or some issue that i'm not seeing that would um, negate the ability to bring a criminal penalty against a licensed physician who is you know yeah in- engaging in this type of activity but to your point so there are no criminal penalties so far attached to this legislation
0: because we know that that, that kind of sword is used against good doctors who won't go along with the medical narratives, right? Who was it last week that we talked about from Tennessee? Uh,
1: Denise Sibley and uh, and Peter McCullough, but Doctor Sibley is from Tennessee yeah, and and they've been uh, they've lost their national board certification,
0: right? And so that that definitely speaks volumes. So yeah, that would be maybe not this round, but it's certainly something to talk about and and for our listeners and audience to ask. Those who drafted it and those who are sponsoring the legislation, why that might not be part of this. Yeah,
1: there's a lot here, and I'm, I'm doing a, a more in-depth video on it for folks who want to know more, but I just – I wanted to say up front that it's – and it's going to get amended. Right. I mean, this is not going to pass as is. Hopefully. If Hopefully not it,
0: gutted, though. Well, that's
1: the hope. The one thing is, if it's amended, it needs to be because maybe they've decided to put criminal penalty. I don't know in there. And I hope it makes it stronger. The thing to watch at this point is. What's been submitted, I believe, is a very strong effort to getting this issue dealt with in our state. And what we need to watch for is that as this goes through the process and the Tennessee Hospital Association and Vanderbilt and everybody else gets involved, that this does not get watered down and and completely destroyed in the amendment process while it's going through. And that will be – that's why I'm saying – I think that's my reasoning by saying, look, email – Representative Lamberth, email Senator Johnson, email the governor's office, email your state legislators, and just for right now, encourage them. This is this is something to be encouraged and supported. And what we need to make sure is that when it when it comes down to the committee hearings and to the fight and facing the lobbyists, we want them to know
0: right. we support this <clears throat> legislation
1: and <throat> they need to fight for it and get it passed. Right. Don't submit to these efforts to lessen the penalties or in any way shape or form the discouragement that is currently in there from these child abusers and a lot of other words i want to call them from continuing this in our
0: state yeah because as we know with legislation the name of the legislation will remain the same and so the marketing of it and the hey we fought for this bill and this and this law whatever creative name they come up with but if it's gutted that will that will have no <laughs> other than a campaign slogan for someone to say I got no this past. So yeah. Yep. So be vigilant, be on your guard. What Ronald Reagan say. Trust but verify. <laughs> that's which is what we do and it's what we should do.
1: But that's uh and I don't I haven't read the bill, but I they've also there was also I think Senate Bill two or Senate Bill three, there are three Senate bills filed. And there's already a bill filed to um make all of the public drag queen activity where minors are present Mm -hmm. to make that criminal good so that would now be if that bill passed that would make that uh criminal activity um subject to prosecution do you know who who is sponsoring that you're gonna be shocked kevin are you ready i'm ready senator jack johnson all
0: right he's two for two today (laughs) he's
1: he's, i i don't i don't what happened (laughs) It's I, kind of amazing. I it's I
0: think maybe he's listening. Maybe yeah. he's aware that people were not pleased with um, just references to tax cuts and property values and things of that nature, and they weren't yeah. ister- interested in the moral issues. So let's go. Let's let's do it. Let's fight. That's awesome, Gary. I've got a in in uh, closing. I've got a great quote from Will, Will Rogers. Perhaps you've heard this, but I saw this yesterday on the wall of a bathroom. But it was a bathroom of, <laughs> I see Mr. Producer looking at me like, oh boy, what could that be? It wasn't scribbled by some student. You know, like in high school, you'd see all these uncomfortable and bad poetry. <laughs> this was actually on the wall of a church bathroom. All right? Will Rogers said, there are three kinds of men. The ones that learn by reading. The few who learn by observation. Do you know the third one, Gary? Mm, by doing the rest of them, have to pee on the electric fence. Wow! <laughs> well, that's that's some doing right there. Wow, Will Rogers. But that's but that's a great way to state it. Though. It is. It's it's just. I'm thinking. I'm processing that. Like that's very true. I'm always inspired when someone boils it down to something like that. I'm like, man, I wish I could. I could say everything like that, right?
1: Because I'm thinking, peeing on an electric fence,
0: you're going to experience that action in a variety of ways. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, there's a lot of people who still pee on the electric fence, like multiple times. You think one time isn't enough? You're going to keep going. I'm talking about yeah. figuratively, right?
1: Yeah, if you if you pee on the electric fence and you still don't get it, yeah, where go. You
0: deserve your fence. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> All right, until next week. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit tennesseestands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. As Thomas Paine reminded us, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it.